Hello, my friends, Nigel here, and welcome to Backable, the podcast where we explore the top performance habits in both business and life. Today, Tim and Alana sit down to discuss a topic very close to their hearts, partnerships. The right partnership can be the key ingredient for success in your business, but one that is misaligned can spell disaster. They share the lessons learned from a long history of both working together and bringing on other partners into various businesses. We take a look at the elements, behaviours and actions that are needed to strengthen your partnership in whatever form that takes. Hope you enjoy. Good morning, Lana and Nigel. How are you on such a fine day? Very well, thanks, Tim. I am great, my friend. I just received a perfect piece of advice from somebody. You can do better. So <laughs> I'm going to do better today. <laughs> Nigel, it wasn't advice. That was a clear directive on how I wish <laughs> for you to behave during this podcast. <laughs> I'm excited about the topic we're talking about today because I think it's unavoidable in our business life. And I think it's something that there is no training for it. There is experience and I guess the way you run your life is pretty much going to reflect the way you run your business relationships. And it can seemingly be a boring topic, to be frank. When we put it up there, I'm like, ugh, can't be bothered talking about this. And then I realized, oh, that's pretty cynical because it's pretty much everything. <laughs> and so so it's it's really important for us to talk about relationships in business, but combined with that communication. Because as I said, this is not really a taught thing for most entrepreneurs. This is something you pick up and you are either good at or you have some lessons and you evolve. Lana, particularly for us, I mean, the last few years in business, the impact of quality relationships or the importance of quality relationships has probably been something that's um, been part of our next level of growth. Yeah. And I think that when it all began in business, you would almost hold on to any partnership, any partnership, quality or not quality. We, as a couple and as individuals, really just tried to find that partnership, that relationship and hold on to it. But as we've gotten older, as we've got more experience, I can see for the two of us, there's a clear delineation between a relationship that is good and a relationship that is not so good in how we treat them. I agree. And I think, you know, even when we're younger, we want to fit in at a lot of places because, you know, at school you want to fit in because you don't want to be an outcast. You want to have someone to eat your play lunch with. Is that still a term? I know I'm getting old, but you know, play lunch being the first break of the day at school. Is that a thing, <laughs> Nigel? Does Indy still have play lunch? That was, uh, no, she has snacks and treats. So she hasn't quite reached play lunch yet, but okay. I must say that as soon as you said that word, I got a wash of nostalgia. Yeah, okay. I haven't thought about that for many years either. <laughs> but for those of you listening wow. internationally, play lunch is basically your first break at school, in primary school. So you stop, you have something to eat, and basically the teachers get a break. That's what it's built for. But anyway, <laughs> what we start doing as, as children is looking for friendships so we're not lonely. So when kids are playing, we look for friends. So we don't necessarily pick friends that align with our values because we're establishing them ourselves, but we pick people that we can just converse with and be part of a group. Location-based yeah. at school. And I'd imagine as parents, you don't want to think about your kid at school having no friends or living a life of solidarity. Is solidarity is the right word? They're not isolated at school during 
those times because it's pretty difficult. Solitary? Solitary. Thank you. Solidarity is <laughs> what we need to do to break through this COVID thing. But we have to look at where we've come from in the way we've formed relationships because as we progress in our business lives, the right relationships, the right partnerships can significantly accelerate your business. And on the flip side, if you get the wrong one, you're going to destroy it, if not take years and years to recover from it. And we see this over and over again in in the businesses we're in, not ours particularly, but people that come for help, they've had relationship or partnership breakdown. So great business, a relationship that can't be resolved, it's the end. And so what we do early in business, as we were talking about, Lana, is we're always looking to, oh, that person looks successful, we should work with them, or we should get them involved, or we should give equity to people that we want to stay involved because they're such good people and so helpful to us. And what we've realized is that is just hopelessly poor decision. Yeah. It's very easy to say it's negative. It's very easy to say I had a bad partnership or I had a bad relationship and that's a bad thing. But as a collective, we have been through great partnerships, great partnerships that turn not so great, not so great partnerships that turn great. And the lessons that come from them, and I'm really sorry, it's another lesson that you have to learn. The lesson that you do get from that sort of stuff, from my point of view, is that you become less affected by talking marks, bad partnerships, and you actually get to the action of dealing with it faster. And it's the annoying lesson that you have to learn that a simple conversation that can be a hard conversation can actually be the difference between a good or a bad partnership. But if both partners or all partners refuse to have that discussion, that's what actually makes it a really bad partnership. As an example, probably Tim, you and me, we have discussions that husbands and wives should not have. Really? Oh yeah. We have nice words probably Such as? been privy to this. <laughs> Often with me in the room. Yeah. <laughs> their their partnerships it's called, it's called a referee, Nigel. <laughs> Team Harari. It's called a witness. Yeah. <laughs> um we, we have discussions and I've heard it many times. People say, I can't believe you let them get away with that because our discussions are business partnerships from a husband and wife perspective. So it's quite unique that you can say such things and I'll say get away with it, but they're the partnerships that are really, really strong because you do say what needs to be said without fear of, but what comes next? You and I are going to stay married. Excellent. Hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) You and I will stay married regardless of the discussions that we have in business. And that's a very unique position for us to be able to be in. And when I look at other partnerships, you can see the discussions that they can't have because they don't have that safety. They don't have that I can say what I need to say and still know that there'll be kindness, affection, friendship on the other side of it. Yeah. And we're talking about communication really because the foundation is we're trying to get somewhere together. We want to achieve goals that are aligned. So we've got a base level of that's a non-negotiable, not being right or getting our own way because it's what we want. And this is, I think, the problem in business relationships is there's not necessarily that foundation because we're lucky enough because we've got a personal relationship that's aligned. So I think it's a bit easier, very difficult to navigate at the start while you learn these things. But once you're aligned with the right person, it's a very powerful asset to have because we can have fast conversations about things we want to progress. When we're in business relationships, we have to work out how do we create the communication style in our partnerships with all of our partners, business partners, suppliers, stakeholders, shareholders, 
how do we set the precedent of how communication should be? And maybe I'll start with the rule that we use is communication is the responsibility of the communicator. So that's our lowest level of communication, which is if you've got something that you need to say, it's your responsibility for the other person understanding it, full stop, which is not a common thing in companies. And not easy to apply. No, no. And I think this is that whole point. How do you know you're a good communicator and how do you know you're a good partner? Because a lot of people out there would be thinking about their partner and going, they're hopeless. I wish I never got into business with them. And actually, you're part of the problem. And this is really important because this is not negative. This is always taking responsibility. You know, Lana, we were talking about it last night. If you're in a partnership right now and you're not happy, walk away. Oh, but I don't want to walk away. I've done so much work. The reason we got here is because of all my extra work. That's the partnership you bought into. You were silly enough to buy into it at the start. So if you really feel like that, walk away. Within what you've just said, there are two other key elements that really allow communication from my point of view to be very strong. And that is that you have to be really honest because you can communicate, but if you're not communicating the truth for what it is for you, because obviously honesty is in yourself, then you're actually not communicating. But you also have to have, I guess, that trust or that belief that the other person or people, if it's a board or a stakeholder, you have to have trust that they're doing the same thing to you. Because if you don't have that, and again, we're very lucky as a collective in our businesses that we all have a lot of trust in the other people. The moment someone's not communicating how they feel and they're not being honest, to me, that's the deal breaker. That's when you go, well, why would I commit to you if you're not doing it back to me? And this for me is the crux of partnerships. It's where they break down. The beginning of the end. Yeah. Yeah. And we've had experiences and I want to clear this up from the very beginning. None of this is bad. And as we get into it, it might sound like it was a communication breakdown or things went wrong. But to look at where we are now, it's one of those, well, thank goodness that we were able to have that situation or that process and learn from it. Because I know now I've gone through personally a communication breakdown, which was about people not being honest on both sides. Now, when people aren't honest with me, it doesn't affect me as much as it could because I'm able to move on quicker and say, well, this is not the partnership I want. This is not the relationship I want. I find people like Tim and Nigel who communicate clearly, who I have trust in and who I can be honest with. Yeah. And that might sound harsh for a lot of people, but that's the point. The depth of a relationship is also trust that you're not just going to turn and and leave. So if we look at it in a personal relationship, if you don't trust that the person has the same foundation as you, it's not about threatening people, well, I'll just leave. So if you're a threatener to leave, you're just abusive. So leave. Go for it. Go. (laughs) Walk out the freaking door. Okay. But if you're someone who uses that as a threat or leverage, I can't think of a scenario where that's acceptable, but it's not right because this is the point, as Lana said, you can't curate the truth for you. And a lot of, I think, employees over the years, they curate the message that they want you to hear. So if I'm surprised by someone, even if they're right, they were wrong because they didn't communicate in our value system because our value system is open, transparent, and honest. So if they've spent years going, listen, I haven't been happy for a long time. This is the first I've heard about it. My job isn't to sit there second-guessing the truth. In your own company, you have to put that level of communication and that level of responsibility on people. I'm never going to sit here and second-guess what you say. I'm going to assume you're a truthful person, and I'm going to assume that what you say is actually what's happening. 
And if some people say, well, I didn't feel comfortable saying it. Well, guess what? That's on you. That's your problem, not mine. Because so many smaller businesses particularly spend so much time second guessing the information they have because they don't want to be surprised. You can't run a company like that because as you start to grow, you spend the whole time in a soap opera. Which some people love if we're being honest. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I, I absolutely, they love it, which is, you know, my staff are hard to manage. Why? Yeah. Well, I don't know what they're thinking. Have you spoken to them? (laughs) No. Well, you're the problem. And I think this is what we're, we're getting at, Lana, is probably something early on when you're only looking at sales and growth, you probably undervalue the importance of communication systems in our business. Because as you said, we've had some poor experiences at poor times that we take full responsibility for. And to me, that's really big that people can turn around and say, I didn't feel like I could say it or I didn't feel like I could communicate it. You can only take responsibility for yourself. In all of the situations that we've been in, good and bad, why would it be okay to take responsibility for the good but not responsibility for the bad? Because, again, it is my responsibility to communicate clearly. And it sounds so simple that (laughs) I will end a meeting with my stakeholders and say, so to confirm, here is what we've got out of this meeting, anything else. It gives the opportunity to say, here is my communication. It is clear. It is transparent. Would you like to add anything? And if the answer is no, well, you better not be coming back to me three weeks later and say in that meeting, this wasn't clear because you've given that opportunity to do it. And that's just a really basic example for relationships aren't just partnerships and business owners. They're between employees. They're between employees and bosses. They're between board members. And it's your job to communicate it, even if your situation changes. And I think that that's probably a really big one, that when you start a business with someone, what actually happens as you get successful, things shift, things change, and communication has to change, which I know, Tim, you've experienced. Yeah. I was about to say money changes things, and it does for some people. What it generally does is magnify who they are. I think that's a fair thing. So a lot of people who are very generous at the start, you see this a lot in in smaller businesses, they're very generous with what they'll offer. So I'm going to give you 50% to join me right now because I really need your help. And then when that 50% is worth millions of dollars and they go, I shouldn't have given away so much. And then they feel resentful for giving it away. But it was your fault. You didn't understand that because you didn't value what you're giving away. Partnerships that start where someone isn't a salesperson. So there's sometimes you put a technician with a salesperson. You know, that's a nice combination at the start because there's two different skills. But at different times during the journey, the importance of each of those roles might change. So the salesperson is under a lot of pressure for the first couple of million in revenue, but the technician's doing the job. So if there's no sales, the technician doesn't have a lot to do. Now, you can't then say, well, go and sell because that's not why they were bought into the business. That's not part of their partnership. So then you see the conflicts beginning because a business is very dynamic at the start where you do need sometimes all hands on deck. But the person who signed up wouldn't have signed up if they knew that was their role. That's why they got involved with a salesperson. So there's a lot of complexity that happens as the business evolves. The importance of people in the business at different times is different, as well as then when you've got a lot of money. What happens if one of the partners actually hits their goal in life and wants to start taking their foot off the pedal and the other one wants to conquer the world? Who's right or wrong? It's an evolution and you have to see relationships as an evolution. I, I was reading the other day, Lana, about, I don't know why I said, Lana, this is going to come back and bite <laughs> me, but people getting divorced in their late 60s 
because they've spent a period of time where they've been happily married, but the last part of their life, the sunset years, they want to experience different things, but they don't align to their partner. They've had a fulfilling life and family. But then they say, well, I want to go and see and travel. And the other one's like, I just want to chill out on a beach. So is that a bad partnership? Because we look at these things as you've got a partner and it's forever, which that's what I hope for. But I can understand where people have had great experiences and then keep evolving the partnership for what works. In business, you have to take that view of partnerships have to evolve and you need to have a bedrock of solid communication. Yeah. And if you look at businesses, you would not say, at the very beginning, if we get to $100,000, I'll be happy because that's not what we're brought up to do. In yep. business, you want to strive. Yes, I'll get to a million dollars and I'll be happy. Well, it could be that in two years' time, if you get to $100,000, one of the partnership is very, very happy. Yeah. They just can't communicate that at the start because they don't know it. Um, we'll put a pin in your and my relationship there and we can come back to that one. No, but we, I mean, we've had the discussion, which is I will never retire. No. That's something clear in our relationship. I will never retire. So Yeah, just like in, in marriage where you don't want to talk about it ending because that's obviously not why you get married or don't get married but have a life partner. You don't have those discussions in business because who starts a business to not continue a business with the partner that they started it with? And I guess that's the topic at the start. That's probably the first brick that you <laughs> need to lay is how do we end this partnership? So the first one is we want to start it. The second one is how do we end it? Which sounds so counterintuitive. Yeah, but it'll stop a lot of court fees. <laughs> this is the problem. You have to have exits. You have to have a maturity level that we're both going to evolve and we should never feel trapped. Mm, absolutely. And I don't think that's done at all well because most people just start with a business and we're both in it or a few people are in it and we'll see how we go. These days, most businesses start with a laptop, Yeah, not even a contract. So I guess on that point, because I've actually never thought of that, how would you have that conversation about this is how we end it. I think there's a lot of mechanisms that are quite easy to put in place and they're not going to be perfect, by the way. So don't, it's not like we're sitting there going and spend tens of thousands of dollars on lawyers to put together partnership agreements, even though depending on the <laughs> business, it. that might be something <laughs> you need to do. But there are a lot of things you can start with. It's when you start with nothing because you've got to imagine that it may not be for you at the start and you've got to work out actually how someone performs in a business. A business is a beast. It will test every person on every level. And one of the mistakes I made early on in my business was convincing people to come into business with me. And, and sorry, Nigel. Um, <laughs> no, no I'm, not, I'm not referring to you, but I remember one of my early ones was a good business, but it was difficult because I knew I'd forced, not forced, I, manipulation's the wrong word, but I, I, I'm someone who gets enthusiastic and people follow. So I have such clarity on how we're going to get there that people want to be part of that energy because it's exciting. I had a friend that before we were going to start the business, basically the night before, say, I don't think it's for me. And we had this long discussion where I felt they were missing out on an opportunity of a lifetime. So we spoke about that. And by the end of the night, of course, they went into business, right? And I really feel bad about that because it wasn't for them. They had a very difficult couple of years, not because the business wasn't good. It's because they weren't built for the stress. They weren't built for the unknowing. They weren't built for what a lot of entrepreneurs need to go through, which is, I don't know what tomorrow is, whether the paycheck will be there in the first 12 months or things like that. That was really difficult for them. They had a really tough period of their life 
because they were still good at what they did. They just weren't built to be an owner. I don't take responsibility because they made the decision. My job is to try and get the best people to get the result for the business. So I'm going to sell. I thought they could add value and I did what I need to do, which was my conviction that it would be good for them was more than their conviction that they didn't want to do it. But I don't think that's the right thing now. I should have, as soon as I got to that point, I should have said, no problem at all. I really appreciate it up to this point and went our separate ways. You have to think a little selfishly. Don't try and manipulate a relationship in a way that you think it's good for the other person. So that's quite interesting because I fundamentally disagree and say, well, if that person said yes, it's on them. Regardless of charismatic leader over here, Tim, come follow me along the riding road. It comes back to if communication is on the person communicating, the final decision, and this to me is a huge bugbear, which I know Nigel will start giggling at because he, he hears my rants on this. Take responsibility. Cause and effect. This person decided to come along with you. That was their decision, just like I have decided to, just like Nigel has decided to, just like all of the team who has ever come along. It's a decision that you make based on the information that you've got. Let me be clear on that. My worry isn't that they came along. They were still in an opportunity of a lifetime for them. My problem was they slowed me down because the things that should have been non-negotiables like, I don't care you're tired right now. This is the business we're in. Sometimes you have to work weekends. Like we were young. We were under-resourced. It was just we had sweat equity. It was the only equity. But they're in a different life stage than me. I didn't need to sleep. There was nothing else in my life apart from growing the business. Still isn't. Yeah, but I mean, at that stage, that's difficult if that's not the way you want to live your life. They were still wanting some form of balance, which is absolutely okay. They didn't blame me. I didn't blame myself, but it still didn't make it easy for both of us. They struggled more because of how it impacted their lifestyle. I struggled more because there was awkwardness around needing to do more at certain times and having to even consider that as part of the relationship. If we're partners during this period of the business, there is no should we do it. It is you'd have to do it. And that's the type of people I like to work with, obviously, with you two around here is I don't really respond well to that could be done tomorrow. It's not the way when you're self-funding a business that you can behave in the early stages. We've had to work on our communication as a couple, so Lana spoke about it early. We actually went out and sought professional help on that. We got a consultant to basically say, we want to be better communicators. And it worked for us, but we had to have daily timeouts, didn't we? <laughs> we still have daily timeouts. <laughs> we, we, we had, we had a many sit-downs in the boardroom during the day because we needed to better communicate and better understand how each of us communicate. And it wasn't aggressive, it just wasn't conducive to accelerated results. Which no, it definitely got aggressive because you are very passionate, if we call it, when you believe. Here we go. <laughs> Looks like it's not quite so- as resolved as I thought, <laughs> Nigel. You are speaking to the wrong person, Jim. I'm on Lana's side here. <laughs> Surely you've got a mute button there. <laughs> yeah, it probably didn't feel aggressive from one side, but from the other side. And again, between you and me, there's a seven-year age gap. And so what yeah, was- like, I already have the answers. Catch <laughs> <Exactly>. up. <Yeah. laughs> what, what was you teaching and educating to me as a sort of upstart 23-year-old was, oh, here we go, telling me what to do again. And so we definitely did have to bridge that gap. 
as someone sitting outside and being through that process with you and participating in the business, that is the best money you have ever spent. I would have thought the pinball, my boat or pinball would have been the best money ever spent, but all right, we'll go with that. Same page. But it's right. And that's a really good situation because what we did actually get to at the end of the day, or or my understanding from that was I was frustrated at many times because I didn't want to have to relearn the lesson by allowing Lana to keep making mistakes that I've already made over the seven years. But we were partners, equal partners. And so what I had to eventually do is we needed to separate who was responsible for what and they live and die by that position which is very important in a business relationship to evolve to that. It didn't mean Lana didn't make a lot of the mistakes I knew were going to be made by the way she was managing. But on the flip side of that, her ability to navigate that also opened up opportunities I never would have got to. And so it wasn't the making of the mistakes that I kept trying to fix. It was I was limiting everyone else to innovate. So actually I was the problem. It comes back to trust. You have to trust that the person's going to do it their way. It'll be different, but it doesn't mean it's not going to be more awesome. It's about the outcome, not the process. Yeah. And it is quite interesting. Again, anyone listening saying, well, that's all fine and well for you. And again, Nigel can attest to this. Both Tim and I are stubborn, pig-headed, think we're always right. Yes. Without a doubt. (laughs) Yes. And yes. And so when you talk about communication between two people who think they're always right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this will come back. Um, when you talk about communication, one person learning and one person knowing, this is fundamental. You're going to have two people, three people, four people in a partnership. Not everyone can be right. Not everyone can make the same mistakes. Not everyone can be telling the other person what to do. And it's why these roles are so important. Absolutely. I made mistakes that Tim had made. I made mistakes that Tim hadn't made. Tim made mistakes that I would never make. All of these things come into the fact that if you start a partnership, you're going to grow together. Your role is going to be to work with that person because there's stuff that you can do that they can't. And it's how does that partnership evolve? How does that partnership take the roles, the responsibilities, and actually make the business or the relationship function based on the situation? It's probably the type of business you're in as well. If a lot of you are in small businesses because you're with your friend and you just enjoy it for that, that's okay. What we're talking about here is high performance and getting to the next level of business. So one of the rules we have in our companies is as a partner, you're not guaranteed a job. And in the early stages when you need the partners contributing, that can be a little bit confronting because it adds an element of pressure. What we mean by that is you have to perform the same way we would if we're employing someone in that position. You have to hit the targets for that position and remunerate it at market rates. Where you make more money is you might get a dividend that's paid out by the company. Good luck to you. That's you as a shareholder. But what we found is it really creates the line between employee and shareholder. So you have no more rights than anyone else would. And what that also means is you need to behave in the ways that the law would allow that if it was someone else we're employing, you're scrutinized exactly the same as an employee. And where a lot of people have challenges around that is, but I do so much work outside work hours. So you're treating me like an employee, but I'm still remunerated like I'm normal, but I'm doing more. I go, no, 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 no. That's what your shareholding remunerates you for. That's part of being a partner. But we found, Lana, that really helps because when we're having conversations, it's not 
us as business partners, it's Lana as COO, me as CEO, did we perform for the remuneration we're getting, which is at market rates? And if we didn't, we need to actually look about whether you've outgrown your position. Mm. And so if we take that example and you come back to really what we're talking about is communication with trust and honesty. We had a meeting, I think it was last week, and full respect, Tim pulled me up and said, you're literally not performing in this section of your job. You are not doing it correctly. Have I apologised for that yet? No. Nah. Good, because it was true. <laughs> it's not. I want, I'm not going to do that to my wife. Lana's got about 10 hats on. So if we, when we talk about one, not because of the performance, I'm talking about this is where the challenge comes as a partnership, which is when you've got a partner that's got many hats on, what I just said before around having a clear role might not be possible. So these are the nuance where you actually have to allow for when there's hybrid, what does that mean and how is that valued? Fine. That's lovely of you to say, but the reality is in this particular part of my role, I was not performing. It's the honest part of it. There were five of us on the call and I could tell that the other three were probably looking at it more from the perspective of husband and wife, not- Yeah, they were awkward. Yeah, they were awkward. <laughs> um, because it is a husband telling a wife, you are not performing as opposed to what I saw it as, which was my, and I'm never going to say this again, my boss pulling me up on me not performing. Nigel, definitely grab that. I'll be. <laughs> can that be my you new ringtone? You don't even have to tell yeah. me, buddy. Could you please make that a ringtone for uh, me? Thank you. <laughs> and again, this is solely from experience of 10 or so years running a business, being employed in a business, doing all of the things in a business. I have absolutely no right to take that personally. Now, what I did do was I went out and went for a walk because living with your boss is probably no delineation between work and home. This is. Awesome. <laughs> um, but fundamentally, because of the work that we've done on communication, I had to look at it and say, was this correct? If it was incorrect, I had to communicate that it was incorrect because honesty and trust. And if it was correct, I had to harden up and freaking do the job. That's a really good example, I think, of it's not personal. What it was, was a goal that we had in this quarter that hasn't worked the way I was hoping it would work. Hasn't worked at all. Hasn't worked at all. At but all. it's an experimental area. So there's, there's that little bit of leeway around clear delineation of what success looked like. But the conversation wasn't, hey, wife, you're hopeless. It was, do we need to bring in someone else to look at this area because I'm not confident that we're managing it right? There's the underlying if I wouldn't question how Lana performs. That's not, that's not even in my headspace. She wouldn't be a senior person in our company regardless of being a wife. You don't get to be the wife and then suddenly be the COO. She's the COO because she's by far the best performer we have in the organization right now to run that. That is why that even if Lana needs to go for a walk, it's around the problem. And if I've said anything wrong in that communication, I can be pulled up on that. I'm still the CEO performing in a professional role. I don't get to beat up on friends and family. You don't get that right, but I'm allowed to call it from what we were trying to do because I have a responsibility to everyone who works for us, their families, because we need to get this done in order to get to the goals and everyone get what they need. Yeah. And you can, it was, you know, one of the guys in the meeting, I could see what he was trying to do to kind of cover it and say, but what about A, B and C? And I thought that was very kind for him because he was trying to bring it back to a different discussion, but the discussion was it didn't work. What are we doing now? Which I expect from senior people is supporting each other. Yeah. It's not allowing someone to be hung out. So I'm happy when I see the defense, but it's black and white. 
this didn't happen, what do we need to do? It was the right communication. That's exactly oh, what you want. You want conflict in your company in a positive way because you can call it honestly, regardless of who's involved. There's no politics. This is the result we're after. What didn't work, fix it. And there's no from the other end. There's no, as you say, trust. I'm not going to turn around and be a little bitty because you've told me off. I'm a senior person. It was a senior team. I hadn't done my job to the level that it needed to be done with the outcome that we needed to achieve. Do better. And that's what's really hard about a partnership and what we're talking about. How can you be okay to have a discussion that is difficult and you can't have that communication unless there's that, I trust it will be okay and I trust that this person will be honest because that honesty is all part of what we're talking about. You guys have created an advantage in your communication that I don't think many people have. Because I remember you telling me early on in your relationship that you have made an agreement that you're always on each other's side and you're always looking out for each other, their best interest. So no matter what comes forward, if you trust in that single statement, anything can be said and interpreted the right way. Even if you dislike the other person for a second, (laughs) you have to be on their side. Yeah. Lana is by far my biggest strength and biggest weakness because if she wasn't happy, even though it was right, I would still tear down my world. That's the problem. She's kryptonite for me. No, it's important because it's like, well, it doesn't matter if we're making a ton of cash. It doesn't matter if we're doing everything. If it's not working at a fundamental level, it's not the highest priority. That's my weakness. I know I can't play as strong a game as I could knowing that. That's a deep down flaw. But it's how I want to live. No, but I mean, it's not a flaw. It's just my choice. But I know people who would sacrifice their marriage for their business without even thinking. I just don't have that in me. So I see the weakness I've got. But that also creates the biggest advantage because it allows you to accelerate much further and much faster. Well, that's how I see it too, Nigel. And and this is the point though. I guess the weakness is in there's still power in the other person. So you just really better not annoy me. Yeah, that's exactly right. (laughs) Alana and I have a, what others would describe as a unique relationship in business because we're enjoying this as a team. When we've got a partner that you might not be married to, it might be a friend, it might be this, you have to really work out what is it for you guys that needs this level of communication so it's always easy. It's always based on how we can get more. A partnership's meant to accelerate and make it easier, not be something you have to navigate and tiptoe around. That's a bad partnership in personal and business. You actually have to be willing to speak your truth and then deal with the ramifications, not manipulate your truth to make sure you do it in a way that softens it for what you think the other person's interpreting. That's when it just becomes way too hard. So that's a really interesting point because there's this idea of it's business, not personal, or it's personal, not business. Find me a partnership in business that doesn't have personal involved in it in some way. And to me, that is such a, backwards isn't the word, but it's such an immature way of looking at things because at any time you could say, well, that's business, not personal, flip it on its head. And I've had this done to me, flip it on its head and say, well, that's personal, not business, because it suits the person at the time to pull the string of the partnership. A partnership by definition is personal because you've decided to go into business together. You don't do that with just anyone. You have to have 
all of these trust, all of these skill sets, everything that makes up a personal relationship. You have to have the trust and the power. You, know, you talk about the power that I've got over you. We also know that that's flipped as well because you're a partnership. In every partnership, someone holds power at a different time. Yeah. Even if you look at you know investors. Okay, investors have power over a business because they've put money in. Business has power over investors because they could do or not do. Yeah. There's always this seesaw of power that comes with a partnership. And I, I, I love this idea of in a partnership, if you're going to bluff about something, so if the partnership is breaking down, you have to be willing to lose. And that's to me where the real power comes from is who is going to do everything to get to the finish line. They're actually the person who is the powerful one in the relationship because they will keep going. And sometimes, I know, and it's true for the three of us, it's true for everyone in our business, there are times when people will have a low point and the partnership is there to pull them up. Which makes it a strong partnership because when you need to rely on someone, you've got the person you can trust most to help you through. There's nothing more important than that, Lana, you're right. We can't all run it 100%. At some stage in life, we're going to need a little bit of help. A great partnership keeps you going when you're going through those periods and that's why they can be so powerful. Yeah, and I look at in Philodomo, the consultants. The consultants all lean on each other. They all talk to each other. They all share their superpowers, you would call it, because each one of them has got a different power. Now, that doesn't mean that one's better than the other. It doesn't mean that one's more powerful than the other. It means that they've got a really great relationship or partnership whereby they lean on the other one when they need it and they know that it's reciprocated. When a partnership of business ownership, if that's what we talk to, it's when that's no longer there. It's when the power is too far one way. It's when one person can't lean on the other person. It's that breakdown, to me, that is when you know the partnership's changed. And it's not, a, it's not a perfect science where you sit there and you barter for, you do this, I do that. A great partnership is you're more concerned about giving your partner everything they want, not what you want. Because then you get everything you want because the person that you're entrusting to go on the journey with is happy and fulfilled. And a huge sort of caveat umbrella over that in the way that they can give it. Tim, love you. Implementation, not your strongest suit. No, that's why I've got people. I wouldn't wouldn't need anyone if it was. (laughs) So (laughs) So basically my weakness is both your jobs. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So if we were to judge you in a partnership on implementation, game over. But we've all come into this partnership knowing this is Tim's skill set. This is where he adds the most power, value, ability. You have to make sure that what the partnership is built on, the judgment, the KPIs, all of that sort of stuff goes to what they're there to do. And that's a really strong part that's often missed out. And it often comes up when there's a crack in the partnership, which you mentioned at the start. Well, you're not doing this. Mate, I was not brought on to do this. Almost grasping at straws because the partnership is broken and you don't want to have the chat. Totally. And so people are protecting evolution. Yeah. So they're the same partnership they were years ago. So we've had to navigate partnerships that started 10 years ago and those people are completely different. Not just on a cellular level that they've replaced every cell in their body so they're actually a different person, <laughs> but actually think about who you were 10 years ago. I think in in a business journey what you have to understand is the evolution over years will mean we probably started doing hybrid roles and learning like all self-funded businesses you were just doing what you needed to do to get to the next day. And then suddenly you start to get a little bit of success and you actually have to then recalibrate every relationship and every partnership. There are the difficulties because some people, that's where their journey will end because 
they're not ready for it or they're not capable of a different level or they're not happy the role they need to play to be most effective in the business. I mean, there's that great for anyone who's you know read the Steve Jobs book. I can't remember exactly the employee's name, but the guy that was really integral when they were in the garage and there was four of them or five of them putting motherboards together. But in the big corporation, he essentially became a tech and he missed out on the whole journey with the other guys because he did not have the capability to function in a corporate environment. And it was difficult for him because he saw all these friends that he was basically sitting next to have this monumental success, but he wasn't there. And, you know, Steve Jobs obviously looks like a tyrant because how could you do that to someone who was there at the start? Because it's not personal, it was about performance. It wasn't that you were being mean. It was they failed to keep up and everyone has to keep reinventing themselves at every stage of the business. And this is a very difficult conversation for a lot of partners. It's not on you as the leader. You give your partners the opportunity to be that or contribute there and then you decide if they still want to be a position that you know they're not ready, then you have to ask yourself, do I want to be in this partnership? And that's very difficult. This is the hard bit around business because As much as it's just business, not personal, it's very personal when you've been fighting in the trenches with your best mate, your friend, your partner, your family member. It's difficult. And there's a way that I've always found has worked not to get around, but to have better understanding of what we're talking about. And it actually was from the Hawthorne Football Club. For those of you internationally, that's one of our- um, AFL teams. AFL, so our our National Football League here. And for anyone who's international, you want to support Collingwood. Um. But (laughs) Just cut her rubbish out, please, Nigel. (laughs) But what they used to do at the Hawthorne Footy Club is they would have a table and a bunch of cards would be face down and you'd have to go and pick a card and it would have a position on the field written on it. And whoever picked that card had to go and speak to that person and understand their role, understand their thinking, understand their process, understand their training understand what goes through their mind when the footy's at a certain part of the field. And what it did was, because all the relationships that we're talking about, they always change. What shouldn't change is your understanding of the other person. And so it allowed someone who, say, was in the back to understand what those in the forward were going through. And so it made a really cohesive team because suddenly they were all understanding this mindset of this person. This person didn't just miss a mark didn't miss kicking a goal. This is all the factors that actually led up to it. And to me, that was this really interesting concept of team, of partnership, of relationship, is if you're constantly focusing on you, what I get out of this, what this means for me, you miss this whole big world of I'm a little cog in what I'm building. There's one part that I do, but if I can understand everything else around me, then suddenly that partnership is much easier to deal with because I'm not getting annoyed at Tim that he doesn't implement, just say. Sorry for that example. It doesn't matter. I'm the boss. Yep. Um, (laughs) It is Tim's job's not to implement. These are all the things that he does. So how can I give implementation to him in a way that makes sense for his role? And it's a slight shift in thinking, but it's always worked personally for me because it's understanding of others that helps me to be better. Yeah. And you're talking about consistently looking to add value. So how can I add the most value? Identify where I can help the performers I need to get the most out of themselves because then you become, yeah, you, your value cannot be measured against the market because you're irreplaceable. You'll get more opportunities. You have to come on the journey because you're doing things that others just won't do. 
it also comes back to people, and I know we've always laughed at this with um, the consulting side of life, without fail, I'd say every time it's mentioned, probably seven out of 10 people will say, oh, I thought of doing that before. These people have no idea what goes into it. Of course, go and start a consultancy if you would like. But what about out of the 90 things you've thought about, what about the additional 100 that you have no idea of? Because you've simply never looked into what is required from everything else to make that work. Yeah, and so how you need to look at your role is where can I contribute the most to add the most value to my organisation, not only in the role I'm playing, but in the partnership. So if you're noticing things about a partnership that's deteriorating, are you front and centre? Are you forcing the conversation to happen or are you waiting for someone to say, I need help? Your job as a great partner is to be a great partner. And if you feel you're a great partner, but your partner isn't, then you've got all the power. You don't have to be in a partnership. You might not like the ramifications of that because as Lana said, if you're going to bluff or you're going to make a stand, you actually have to go through with it. So would you walk away from a business you've been involved with for 10 years because you know that partnership has come to an end, but you might not have the business? And that might be a very hard pill to swallow because guess what? The partner bought in and got everything they want. Just because you're not happy doesn't mean that you're right. You're just not happy. And so this is always how you need to view your role in every communication, in every partnership is what do I need right now? And if it doesn't align, great, you deal with it. But so many people we see, Lana, just sit on it for years and years and years until it explodes. And you know, then they, they talk about, couldn't you see I wasn't happy? No, my job's not to see if you're happy or not. I'll do my best to notice things, but I certainly got more on my plate than worrying about what you're hiding. I just don't think you can operate a good business under those circumstances where you're expecting others to notice how you're feeling. I think when we're sort of closing out this conversation, how do you then navigate, dare I say, an agile world of business <laughs> and how do you work with a partner to make sure we can avoid some of the pitfalls that come? And I think one of the things you need to have a think about is future pacing your business and your relationship. So what are some of the infrastructures you can put in place to ensure that the partnership is being invested in? during the journey. How often do you sit with your partner outside work and talk about the partnership? Why isn't that a quarterly non-missable date? Things like that, you can start to look at behaviors that can help you put in opportunities for everyone to communicate and discuss things. Because once you get into the hustle and bustle of building a business, the last thing you want to do is make time for chatting on nice things. But these are those essential things. I just don't think once people are in a partnership, they actually treat it with the respect that it should have and then wonder why it doesn't work. Nigel, Lana, important topic, interesting topic. I'm sure it's one that many people will have some stories around how they navigate and I'm very actually interested to hear how others navigate their partnerships or some of the challenges they come up with but good to have the conversation today and um, let's do it all again next week. See ya. Well, that's the show for this week. Thanks for listening. And of course, if you head on over to backable.ai, you can access all the downloadables we've put together. Now, if you want to stay up to date with all things Backable and Philodomo, then make sure to join our Facebook group 
and follow us on one or all of the platforms you can find in the show description below. As always, if you have enjoyed this week's podcast, please don't forget to like, subscribe and leave a review. That's all from us for now. Have a great week and we look forward to speaking with you next week. Bye.